This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome, everyone. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me. If you're a woman in your 40s, this show is for you. Many women my age are concerned about menopause. We all hear so much negative talk about it. For example, you have weight gain, hot flashes or horrible mood swings. That's why this week I am joined by Janet Coe, president and co-founder of the Menopause Foundation of Canada and Dr. Michelle Jacobson. Welcome to both of you. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Claudia. Thanks for having us. Well, we all know that menopause is real. It's a real thing, and it's a normal phase in a woman's life. Why is this still a taboo topic? I will let either of you answer that question, whoever would like to go first. So we actually recently did uh, a survey of Canadian women aged 40 to 60, and it created landmark data which showed that not only is it a taboo topic with more than half of the women surveyed feeling like it's something that they can't speak about, and one in two women were actually unprepared for menopause. Menopause, sadly, is wrapped up in negativity. It's shrouded in secrecy. And I think there's a lot of ageism associated with this time in a woman's life. And let's face it, it's a great time to be a woman when you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. And none of us want to be 20 or 30 again, but we definitely want to make sure that we're as healthy as possible. And when we don't speak about menopause, when we ignore the symptoms, when we make women feel like they just have to silently silently go through this, that actually has a very negative impact on women's quality of life. You know, we're so grateful to um, to Janet and to the Canadian Menopause Foundation for doing the survey and really putting that that information out there because it really is the questions that you are asking your colleagues and your friends and your cousins and sisters is why aren't we talking about this? I can tell you in my practice, the taboo really comes around fear. So, so much of menopause management is uh, related to using hormone therapy. And so many women are fearful of what hormones mean because of what the media has put out in the past and the way studies have been interpreted and publicized. When if you really break them down to their bare bones, we can really take away good information about how to use hormones safely to help people cope with their transition. I agree with that. And as a woman in my 40s, I am actually not ashamed to discuss the changes, probably because I have a practice and I treat many women in my age group and I make it a known fact that I too am going through some changes, but we are not the norm. Those few women who are comfortable talking in the confines of my treatment rooms or in my own little you know, community is not the norm. There are so many women who are uncomfortable. So what do we tell women who may be facing these, these challenges? What do we tell them about the three stages, the perimenopause, the menopause, and then the postmenopause? How do we tell them how to handle it? You know, perimenopause is the time where the periods start to become less regular and women might start to develop symptoms of menopause. There's certainly no hard start and stop to these stages. So I always joke with my patients that menopause is actually only one day of your life. And that's the day where it's been one year since your final menstrual period. And it goes to show you how arbitrary this diagnosis is to say, you know, after 12 months and you realize you don't get a period, well, now you're postmenopausal. Really, this is a continuum where symptoms may start, you may develop more symptoms through time, some of the symptoms may improve, other symptoms may continue to worsen. 
And when it comes to what do we do about it, well, there isn't one single hard and fast treatment to treat a perimenopausal woman or to treat a woman after her final period or when she's technically menopausal. We need to treat symptoms to improve quality of life. You know, as a woman um, who's now 55, going through perimenopause, I think one of the reasons why we don't talk a lot about it is also that women completely do not understand this time of their life. They don't understand what's happening to their bodies. I certainly myself did not know that there was something called perimenopause. I just had looked forward to menopause thinking, great, I might have a few hot flashes and then it will be over. Uh, So I was quite blindsided. And our research actually shows that one in two women are blindsided by menopause and that there is very low awareness of the 30 plus symptoms that you may be experiencing. Myself, my own story was I was having pretty serious heart palpitations, had no idea that this was a perimenopausal symptom, along with the other things that I was experiencing. And when I went to the doctors about my heart palpitations, everybody just checked my heart and said, you're fine, sent me home. Nobody ever said, well, you're a 40-something-year-old woman, and you're going through perimenopause. And how empowering would that have been to actually understand that this was something that was normal? And then when I did have all kinds of symptoms, how fantastic would it have been if I had gone to a doctor who actually said, these are normal symptoms and here's what we can do to help you rather than ignoring them and not actually taking them seriously. And when I finally did get to a doctor who, when I realized, oh, this is menopause, was immediately told to go on an antidepressant and said, well, I'm not depressed. I'm just not sleeping. I'm having 30 hot flashes a day. An antidepressant is not a first line treatment for menopause symptoms. Yeah, and I think it comes from that same place of fear where it's not just patients who are fearful of taking hormone therapy, it's also prescribers who are afraid because they don't understand how to write that prescription or what the implications are. So we are fortunate to be living in this, you know, 2022 where we have such strong evidence and such great simple easily accessible guidelines from uh, organizations around the world, the Society of OBGYNs of Canada, the North American Menopause Society, the European Societies, the International Menopause Society. And what's shocking is they all say the same thing. And that is that menopausal hormone therapy is the first line treatment for amelioration of bothersome symptoms of menopause for women without contraindications. Now, I see lots of patients who should go on alternatives because they do have contraindications to hormone therapy, but that's not the majority. And it's certainly not the majority of women who are seeing their primary care physician with these complaints. So really, I think what we need to do is get the message out that you don't have to be afraid to prescribe hormone therapy. You just have to learn a little bit about it and become more comfortable with it. And similarly, patients can go out and they can advocate for themselves and say, you know, I heard that for these symptoms, you know, I'm a healthy person. Otherwise, using hormone therapy is going to help me and, you know, force a little bit of, of continuing education for everybody to go through so we can learn how to do this safely, but also effectively and according to the guidelines. You mentioned before, Janet, um, the heart palpitations. That's one of the symptoms. It's actually not as common um, 
or as commonly discussed because I, I assume it's because people, women get heart palpitations and think there's something wrong with their heart. That's one of the symptoms that can be so bothersome. But let's talk about what are the other normal symptoms that you can experience during perimenopause and after. Remember that the these symptoms can last anywhere from six to eight years in perimenopause. And then it's a myth, of course, that the symptoms will stop after menopause. But the common symptoms, of course, are hot flashes and night sweats, but you can have vaginal dryness, burning, itching. You can have skin issues, hair issues, libido issues. You can have brain fog, memory issues. There can be mood fluctuations and changes. So there's a whole range of issues. And I think when we talk about symptoms, this is where, and one of the reasons why women tend to look away, because you never want to associate yourself with the overwhelmingly negative stereotype of the woman going through menopause, which is, you know, that this is a joke, oh, you're having hot flashes, or it's just something that's perceived as being super negative. I think the empowering message for women is that if you understand that there are multiple symptoms that you could be experiencing in perimenopause and beyond, you'll be able to start connecting the dots. So you may not just treat something as a, as a one-off, oh, I'm no longer sleeping, so I should take um, a sleeping aid for that. And you might start to connect the dots and go, oh, this is actually my perimenopausal moment. And I've got multiple symptoms um, in addition to period changes. So that empowering knowledge can then lead you to make some decisions about what do you want to do about it? Are you somebody that has bothersome symptoms for whom some menopause hormone therapy or other treatments might be appropriate? So the knowledge of perimenopause menopause is power and we need to close that knowledge gap because women truly do not understand the various symptoms that they could be going through. And then of course, the, the sad thing is they're looking to their family physicians for guidance and support. The family physician is the most trusted source of information on perimenopause, menopause. But yet when most women took the step to go to talk to their family physician, overwhelmingly, the majority found that conversation not very helpful at all. It's this combination of women not understanding it, but as Michelle so um, eloquently articulated, also doctors not having the confidence to actually treat their patients. But I find that the big problem is that the stigma around menopause is that, oh my gosh, you are either going to come out on the other end and be better, or you're going to come out on the other end and just be this washed up, un, you know, not valued at all in society anymore. And it's a scary thought. You're, you know, if you're in menopause um, or peri, you know, your kids are likely a bit older, they need you less. So there's a lot of emotional stuff going on. And I feel like that's one of the things that is a problem is that we think that we're going to come out on the other end and we're going to not be valued at all in society anymore. How do we deal with that emotional turmoil? I mean, that's a, an excellent question. And it's so evocative in the way you describe it, because a lot of the stigma that comes with menopause, I think, is related to the stigma of aging and the loss of youth, where we are in a society that prizes youth so highly. And so much of what we do as women is try and hold on to that youth. On the other side of this, you know, when we age, this is an inevitability, right? You, the th I always say the the three things that you can't avoid are death, taxes, and menopause. This is the prime of our life. 
And we shouldn't be looking at treatment of menopause or getting through menopause as being um, something negative uh, or as being even a fountain of youth. You know, that's not the approach. The approach is now that you are in this time of your life where you can control so much more, how do you live your best life? How do you take those symptoms that are impeding your ability to function? And how do you turn them around so that you are your best you? Um, and that you can try and do all of the things that you are so capable of doing. You just need to be able to sleep at night to be able to do them. And all of these things can be treated. We just have to acknowledge them. We can't run from them. And then we need to be confident and trusting in our ability to treat them, either with one treatment or with many and a combination of medications, non-pharmacotherapy, and lifestyle changes like therapy, like acupuncture, like taking some me time and going to the spa, right? It's not a one size fits all approach. It's about figuring out what is it that's bringing you down and how to really turn that around. The one thing about menopause that I think is a gift for women is that if you have been ignoring yourself, which many of us do, we put other people first, this can really hit you at that time of life. And it's a bit of a wake up call to say, you know, if you haven't been watching your diet, if you haven't been exercising, if you haven't been doing these things and taking care of yourself, it actually forces you to look a little bit inward to figure out how are you now going to manage through this very different time of your life. So I think see it as a great opportunity to start really focusing on your health and making sure that you are living your best quality of life. I think the big thing we need to break is this myth um, that's been ingrained in many women that you're just going to push through it. You might have all these symptoms which are actually limiting your quality of life, but just suck that up, accept it, quietly, silently push through. You should not be living a diminished quality of life in the prime of your life. And as Dr. Jacobson has said, there are so many options for women to manage menopause the way they want. I agree. And I agree with your statement. We are entitled and we deserve to be healthy and come out on the other side even better. When we come back, preventative care for women during menopause. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Dr. Jacobson, Janet Coe, and I were discussing how there still exists a stigma regarding menopause. Only 41% of the 72% of women that looked for help felt the information was helpful. We have a lot of work to do as women in this age group. And the one thing that I find very interesting, ladies, is that our children, if you have children, go through uh, puberty. And that is something we guide them through. We talk about it. It's a change of life. We have to be accepting. We have to be there for them. Well, guess what? Menopause is exactly the same. It's another change in our lives. So why are we not treating it like that? How can we help women understand that it is a normal process of maturity? We're all going to experience it. The world, men, women, 
our workplace, everyone should understand that we are going to have changes, but it doesn't mean that we're not any better than we were a year ago or two years ago. In fact, we probably come out better on the other end. There isn't the kind of whisper network that there is when you're going through puberty. There isn't the conversation and the support that happens when you're a woman who's trying to get pregnant. You know, if you think about what happens in our society, you're helped as a woman to not get pregnant, to get pregnant, to go through postpartum depression, to deal with all of those things. And then you get in your 40s and it's deafening silence. You are then expected to figure this out on your own. And because of the stigma of menopause and of aging, and it's interesting, you know, I'll talk to women and they'll say, well, I, I had no symptoms. It was fine, fine, fine. Everything was fine for me. But then when you open up that conversation a little bit, you realize, well, actually, you have had symptoms. You now have, um, you know, somebody who might have a lot of mood changes, somebody who still has sleep disturbances, somebody who has very painful sex, somebody who has osteopenia. These are all and can be attributed to the changing hormone levels. But women do not understand menopause enough to figure that out. And one of the things that was very eye-opening and enlightening for me was understanding that it's not over that once you get through menopause, you're postmenopausal and you're at risk for some of these other things like the genitourinary syndrome of menopause. We talk about men's sexual health and vitality, but for women, there's a lot of silence there and there could be a whole other show that you do just on that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a fantastic point. You know, there are tens, if not hundreds of treatments out there for men's erectile dysfunction and sexual functioning. And there's actually only recently one treatment available for female libido. And that wasn't even meant to be for menopausal women when it was originally marketed and approved. I think it's a testament to the differences and, and really the gender gap. And I think you've coined this term now, the, the sort of menopause gap um, that women are faced with, yet we're still expected to be willing and able partners. You know, the GSM or the genitourinary syndrome of menopause that Janet was referring to, it's a great example because things like hot flashes and night sweats for many women will improve over time. But for almost all women, there will be some component of a change in the lower genital tract that may have longstanding implications and impacts on a woman's functioning. So that could be from something as simple as dryness in the vagina, could be pain with sex, it could be a change in the ability to orgasm. It can lead to recurrent urinary tract infections. It can cause an overactive bladder or urinary urgency, getting up several times at night to pee. There's really no shortage of these changes. And without treatment, those changes will continue to worsen over time. So there are women who won't suffer at all from them. And there are women who may suffer from one component. And there are women who might feel that their entire lives have been upended because of the symptoms that they're describing and suffering with. And again, if we don't talk about it, we're not going to be able to help. And there are actually a number of treatments and more and more coming to market all the time that can improve. So now we've discussed the stress, the stigma surrounding menopause. Let's discuss the options for a smooth transition, because I think that's what we're all hoping to achieve is just a smooth transition, because I believe that's exactly what it is. It's just a transitional time in our lives um, that need to it needs to be addressed. We need to find what's going to work for us. So what are the options available to women in our age group? 
So that depends at what point a woman is being affected by her symptoms and what she wants to do about them. So if somebody truly is coping well, and I don't mean asymptomatic, but coping well on a day-to-day basis where her functioning is not being affected, just being mindful of symptoms and making sure that you are still taking time for yourself, that might be enough. But for women who are having their sleep impacted, for women who are suffering with bothersome or embarrassing what we call vasomotor symptoms, so hot flashes, night sweats, those women can see their primary care physician, they can see a gynecologist or menopause specialist, or they could simply talk to their friends and find out what they're doing about it. But we usually increase how uh, aggressive we are based on how much the, the symptoms are bothering the patient. So you might start with something simple like dressing in layers, having your own blanket in the bed, having your control over the thermostat, um, having uh, sweat wicking sheets. uh, And then it's going to sort of increase from there. You might do acupuncture, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness. And those kinds of things can be done sequentially or in parallel. So you can wait and you can try the sort of easy lifestyle changes first and then add in the acupuncture, the CBT, and the medications, or you could do everything all at once. When you see your doctor, you can address the symptoms and what you're looking for is really individualized therapy. So what are your personal risk factors? What are you worried about? Where do your fears come from when it comes to menopausal therapy? And have that open conversation where you're honest about those concerns and you understand the data and you do a little bit of your own reading from reputable websites like the Society of OBGYNs of Canada. And then going from there, you come up with the treatment plan that is going to really address your individual symptoms and risk factors. Janet, is there anything you'd like to add? First and foremost, women need to educate themselves and close the knowledge gap. So we do offer on our website, menopausefoundationcanada.ca, a free symptom tracker. I think it's really important that women start to figure out what perimenopause and menopause is. So you can find that information there. And we've got a lot of resources as well that women can can look to. The other message for women is if you are going to a healthcare provider and you feel you are not getting the support that you need, please go to our website as well. We have a find a physician, which does focus on qualified North American menopause certified practitioners who really do understand menopause. Bottom line, we're in the prime of our lives. We deserve to feel healthy. Don't accept mediocrity and just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You deserve this. This is a great time of life. And as you said, it's just getting through it in your best way and then living the great life that you want. Do not accept the stereotypes about menopause and let's stop trivializing it, making it a joke. When you do have these symptoms, they're not funny. And, um, We need to support other women going through this and acknowledge that you can have symptoms, they can be treated, you can feel great, and it is wonderful. And I like that you say that because this really is the prime of our lives. As women, we've accomplished so much. Um, We do so much. We're there for everybody. So now this is our time to really shine and really, you know, take the time to take care of ourselves. And I know that there are so many treatment options, but let's discuss what are some of the lifestyle changes that we can look to to help us transition. I I think in terms of uh, lifestyle changes, certainly diet and exercise are very important. You know, it's hard for women as you get to that middle time of your life. Weight gain seems to be very much associated with perimenopause, menopause. Uh, It 
It certainly happens when you're not sleeping well. And then, of course, then you don't eat well. So I think those are very important changes to make if you haven't been doing that. And then certainly just ensuring that you've got a network of friends that you can talk to. Um, and just finding that support group, I think, can be super helpful for women. What we're looking for when it comes to lifestyle is, again, addressing the symptoms that are bothering you. So if it is the hot flashes, dressing in layers, carrying a fan, you know, um, avoiding triggers. If, if alcohol is your trigger, then unfortunately, you might need to avoid it if you're looking for better sleep that night or make that conscious choice that tonight's going to be the night that you know you're going to have some hot flashes because you really feel like a glass of wine, right? It's all in your hands. Keeping a normal body weight, if possible, um, exercising hasn't been shown to help hot flashes necessarily, but it does help to maintain a normal body weight and optimal cardiovascular health. So even if one uh, good lifestyle choice doesn't necessarily result in the direct improvement in a symptom, what we're looking for is to take this as an opportunity to live your best life and to live your healthiest life and to be motivated to make the changes that are going to help you feel your best. Before we wrap up the show today, I have one last question, and I'm curious about how you both feel about the responsibility of the workplace to women who are experiencing menopause, because it is fearful for women uh, who are working to admit or to acknowledge that they're going through a transition, they may be experiencing something. Is it the responsibility of the people, of the employer, to kind of make things more comfortable, to be understanding? Um and just to make the transition a lot easier and not make the woman feel like she is no longer valuable in the workplace. You definitely don't want a woman to feel unvaluable in the workplace and women should not feel that way. But I think as a as a force, women need to come together to own how they feel and to, to you know, acknowledge their own value in the workplace and to ask for the the respect and the accommodations that they need. You know, I'll have patients tell me that a hot flash is embarrassing. And if it's embarrassing, that's maybe because someone is making you feel that way. But you also have to look within yourself and say, why do I feel embarrassed by what I'm going through? You know, I am a working woman who is uh, going through a transition that is completely normal. And this is one of the symptoms I'm having, and this is how I'm coping with it. Uh, but of course, you know, in the same way that I think workplaces should accommodate women who are working through difficult pregnancies and who are working uh, through perimenopause when they might be having terribly heavy bleeding unexpectedly, or women who have pain with their periods and may need to be accommodated, this is a time where we need to express our needs clearly, uh, unequivocally, uh, unashamedly and ask for what we need. Because without asking for what is going to help us, it's, I think, difficult to expect people to know what that is. Well, Dr. Jacobson, I cannot thank you enough, as well as uh, Janet. Thank you so much for joining me today. If listeners want to learn more about the Menopause Foundation of Canada and find the help and resources they need, how can they do that? Uh, they can absolutely join the Menopause Foundation of Canada uh, or look to some of the websites that are going to give them good evidence-based information, something like the Society of OBGYNs of Canada has a website called menopauseandyou.ca or to the uh, patient version of the North American Menopause Society. These are going to be good evidence-based sources and I would encourage you to get involved with the Menopause Foundation of Canada because this organization is here to represent you and your needs and we can advocate to help women. Uh, we're all in this together. 
And we have a lot of work to do. So I'm really excited to move forward uh, with the Menopause Foundation of Canada. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Mackella or my website, ClaudiaMackella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.